Welcome to a brand new season of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob. Joined this week, first episode of the new season by Becky and by producer JL, John Luke Shaparo. And we are so excited to be back. Uh, we started this podcast actually in January of 2020, uh, right before the COVID interruption and, and all of that happened uh, with that season. And so uh, kind of in line with you know this Rangers rebuild, and at that time, we were talking about you know a young team uh, that hadn't even drafted Alexi Lafreniere yet. You know this team's uh, current lightning rod. Um, and now we're talking about what we hope will be a contender. Uh, and so Becky JL, welcome back to another hockey season. Uh, how were your respective summers? JL, you can go first. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to defer, but okay. Um, <laughs> it it's been a. It's been a very interesting summer. There's lots of highs, lots of lows. Uh, certainly not the summer that I expected in terms of hockey terms and in baseball terms too. Um, but uh, it, it's it's definitely been an interesting summer, you know, just life in general. So, like I said, lots of ups and lots of downs. But I'm here, I'm alive, and you know, it's funny you allude to the rebuild, you know. It, it it doesn't seem like that long ago that, you know, we were, you know, sitting at Madison Square Garden rooting on guys like Rick Nash and Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes. And next thing you know, oh, look, it's Doug. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Gilmore. What's his first name? John oh, Gilmore. Oh, John Gilmore. Uh, Rob O'Gara. Rob O'Gara. Rob O'Gara is Rob's, and, Rob's uh, favorite. Uh, he was not. Uh, actually really like John Gilmore, though. Vladislav Nemesnikov. But, you know. <laughs> It's been an interesting summer. Um, like I said, lots of highs and lows, but it's been pretty good. And it's nice that we're getting back into the swing of things. I missed you guys. So, oh, I missed you too. Likewise, uh, Becky, how was your summer? You know, I had a child. So I think that was pretty, pretty <laughs> eventful. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was actually really nice. I'm lucky that um, my company provided me with like almost five months off, which was really, really nice. Um, especially in comparison to when I had our firstborn was not off for very long at all, less than three months. And so it was um, really nice to be able to spend time with baby and kind of watch him grow into like the chunkiest, happiest little boy in the world. Um, watched a lot of reality TV, a lot of law and order. Um, and yeah, just getting excited for my next uh, New York sports disappointment because it's been a really <laughs> bad year so far for, for I think all New York sports teams. So that's not unique to uh, any one uh, baseball or football team. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it was obviously a great summer for us as a family. Um, for those of you who don't know, Becky and I are married. We have two amazing children. We're the weird Rangers, you know, podcast couple. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. But um, 
Yeah, from a obviously from a sports perspective, you know, we are we are now uh, indoctrinating these young children with, you know, <laughs> what potentially could be a life of pain and suffering. With most of the teams we root for now, I'm the I'm the Yankee fan, so I get the black mark here in this family, and and we'll see how the kids go with the baseball thing. But obviously, you know, we are Jets fans, we are Rangers <sighs> fans, we're Knicks fans. Things are looking up for the Knicks, but. Um, Certainly the way things have gone for the Jets with Aaron Rodgers going down and, you know, I'm maintaining the slightest sliver of hope for them. I'm like, yeah, not quite a Zach Wilson apologist, (laughs) but I'm like trying to see the good things there. And I think there are some good things. This isn't a Jets podcast. If you want one of those, check out Badlands. It's great. My cousin's podcast. Uh, It's uh, on Patreon, but uh, and he does a much better job analyzing the Jets than almost anybody. But let's turn our attention to the hockey. So, you know, the Rangers had a probably their most disappointing finish to a season since I would say 2015. I think that's very fair to say. And it resulted in quite a big change with Gerard Gallant getting fired. Now we did a few shows in the aftermath of that. And, you know, we were pretty heavy on discussion around coaching candidates. And and obviously Peter Laviolette was always the odds on favorite to land the job. And I think uh, we all knew that was coming, and, and I was sort of preemptively disappointed by it. And I'll admit that I was also pretty heavily on the Chris Knobloch train um, at the time. Uh, and, you know, I'll stand by that take. I think maybe he deserved a shot. I don't even know if he interviewed, but um, here we are. Peter Laviolette is the coach. He's had a full training camp with this team. By this point, we're recording on Tuesday night. The show comes out Thursday morning, the day of the first game. We pretty much know what the opening night lineup is going to be. We'll get to those details a little bit later, but um, now that the dust has settled, we've sort of seen how Laviolette operates a little bit through a training camp and six preseason games. Um, JL, what are your initial thoughts on him as coach? Let's start here. What did you feel? Uh, how did you feel when they first announced the hire? And then what are your thoughts so far? Well, I'll just I'll backtrack a little bit there. When they fired Gerard Gallant, I was on my way to a New York Mets game. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and um, I was coming out of the, the train on the LIRR. I was coming out of the tunnel, so I didn't get much service uh, you know, under the, under the tunnel. So I came out, and I got all these notifications on my phone. And I distinctly remember coming out of the tunnel, getting signal, and the news had just broke. It was perfect timing. So I sent it to everybody in the chat. So then, you know, all the speculation comes up. And obviously, me personally, um, I had I was very vocal about it, as was, you know, a couple of other of our cohorts, is that I, we wanted Mike Sullivan, you know, with the impending changes that happened in Pittsburgh, you know, majority mm-hmm. of the time, it's usually they go clean house, like what David Stearns just did with the Mets. And um, you hope that that, kind of dark horse comes out and and you get that but it didn't happen so you when they hired la violette i initially wasn't too thrilled but the more i looked into it and the more that i saw you know there was one article in particular which um discusses how he connects with players and how he tries to make everything into kind of like a you know a together atmosphere in the sense of everyone comes together and you work hard you play hard you forecheck hard you defend hard and the more i kept reading it the more i kept just looking at the teams that he had in the past and 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 listening to the things that he would say and reading some of the quotes from former players that he had coached 
I began to warm up to the idea more and more of Peter Laviolette becoming the coach because he was the standout candidate. Now, you can talk about, oh, the coaching carousel and this and that and the fourth, yada, 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 you name it. But I think with the right team, Peter Laviolette can really get the best out of a squad. And we've seen him do it with Nashville. We've seen him do it with Carolina. We've even seen him do it with the Islanders. So the the more the days went along, the more that I liked the Laviolette hire. And with the way he's approached camp, the things that he stated uh, after certain games, good or bad, and the way that – and also – to credit him and the um, and Chris Drury and, and the higher ups, they've hired a phenomenal assistant staff with him. I mean, Dan mm-hmm. Muse and Michael Pekka, just to name a few, keeping Benoit Lair and pl- a bunch of other people who are sound mind in you know in the world of hockey. It's not something you've really seen with the Rangers before. It always kind of seemed like when with these hires, they were always trying to catch lightning in a bottle. But I think with the hiring of Dan Muse going away from the usual Peter Laviolette, we're going with Kevin McCarthy in that role and going for a more younger player oriented mm-hmm. coaching staff. You know, not only do you bring in the systems thing that Gerard Gallant uh, lacked heavily, but also now you're bringing in uh, people who can relate the players and instill a system that can contribute, you know, behind the scenes and on the ice you know this team needed structure and he brings that yeah i mean it's it's one of the things i think you were alluding to there jl is that most of the time when you hire a veteran coach you get the veteran coach's crew coming coming along with him right gerard gallant brought um oh god what was his name the assistant coach that was with him every mike kelly and, uh, uh was it Vigneault, of that uh who Gord, no, Gord Murphy wasn't with that. Sorry. No, was, yeah, but he he came from Hartford. But I think there, you right. know, he he had been kind of a of a of a recycled assistant, you know, in that kind of role. Um, yeah. Av brought Scott O'Neill, right? You know, the Rangers tried a little bit of like the former player thing. Jeff Bukaboom, Alf Samuelson, who I didn't I didn't mind. Um, so it was very refreshing to see them bring in those a brand new staff of assistants. The other guy that, that he does have that's on the staff that he does have some experience or, or uh, uh, you know, uh, history with is Phil Housley, but Phil Housley is a, you know, one of the great all time offensive defensemen. He was a smaller defenseman. And if you look at the Rangers, right, you've got Adam Fox, you've got Keandre Miller, uh, you know, you've got Zach Jones who right now slotted in as the seventh defenseman, but, but he'll play at some point. Um, so, so guys that, you know, maybe Phil Housley, when he gets his hands on them, maybe they can take that next step. So uh, I agree, JL, on the assistance. But um, Becky, what were your thoughts on, on LaViolette, you know, overall? First, when they were, you know, when he, when he was hired and then, you know, what we've seen so far, obviously, before a season even begins. I mean, I think I have to stop making fun of him, like looking like Fred Flintstone now, but maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um <laughs> shouldn't I shouldn't shame people for how they look that's not nice but um uh like I it feels like the same old bullshit I didn't um feel any kind of way toward any coaching hire like there was no one that was out there that I was like oh my god we need to have I guess it's funny because like Mike Sullivan seemed like he seems like the you know the guy but it's funny because he was here so I don't know. It's kind of more of that, like everyone's just a little bit recycled and I was happy it wasn't Q because of, you know, obvious reasons and, mm-hmm. and, or like Babcock. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. 
um, my, my, the toddler coughed directly in my face last week and now I am too. Um, I'm not, I, that being said that like, I didn't particularly want anyone specific. I also was not really appalled or like upset with the decision to hire. I was just kind of like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. another, another day, another, whatever. And I will say it's good. I mean, I know that people have feelings about it, but I do think that you can't just have a vibes coach and mm-hmm. you can't just have like, uh, I don't know the, the right word to say because I don't want to use the word that I'm thinking, but like a very strict, um, like all work and no play. Drill instructor. Something, something, something. Yeah. Right, yeah. Thank Disciplinarian, you. Disciplinarian. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, and from what I could tell so far, it seems like Laviolette is somewhere in the middle and he's not going to let guys get away with being out of shape or, you know, and I know it can sound a little like, oh, like you want them to practice so hard and it's preseason and it's practice. And like, yeah, I do. Like, I don't want them to be out of shape. They're professional athletes. They get paid millions of dollars to be excellent at a sport and at that level, I can appreciate if you um, get injured, you know, like that's fine. But I can't appreciate if you come in out of shape and you're a hot mess, especially not in hockey. Like you can have fat pitchers in baseball, right? But you can't do this <laughs> in hockey unless you're Phil Kessel because he's like a mutant. And I mean that in a very nice way. So getting back on subject, I think so far what I'm seeing I like, I feel like the line combinations, especially today, yesterday, whenever – where the week, this week, (laughs) the most Mm -hmm. recent ones as of Tuesday. Um, I like them. And I like that, um, you know, Cooley made the team. Like, I know we'll talk about that more, but it seems like he does go based on merit. Um, And this is just kind of like, it seems positive for now, but I reserve the right to change my mind. I I think that's a great point. Great point, Becky, because this happens a lot. And and it seems to me like the cycle is getting shorter, especially for a team like the Rangers, who, you know, look for, unfortunately, has not like landed on that long term solution in terms of a head coach. Uh, where, you know, you go from the vibes coach, right? Gallant to the drill instructor. Then you might go back to a vibes coach. Then you it's, might go yeah, back to, towards you know, to AV. Like, I yep, mean, these are exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's normal. I I will say that, you know, what has impressed me about Laviolette and, and look, I'm no tactician. And I, by the way, I think a large uh, proportion of hockey fans are not. It's a really difficult sport. You know, it's not like football where there's like 10 seconds before a play starts and you're like, OK, there's three receivers on the field and there's two tight ends and they're in this formation and they usually run these types of plays out of this for like they're even in basketball, right? Like you can easily identify like whatever pick and roll or zone defense, like hockey is so fluid, mm-hmm. you know, people were throwing around the term adjustments, right? Quote unquote adjustments about Gerard Gallant. And I agree he didn't make them, but I would basically say that like 80% of the people who were saying that maybe more, could not identify the adjustment that he didn't make or the adjustment that they wanted him to make. They were just saying, well, he didn't adjust. And, you know, I think that, I think that that's true. I think, I think what, what I've seen and heard from LaViolette so far is that he's just a lot more detail oriented. 
and he speaks in a little bit more of a technical manner about the sport. Now he's not giving away, you know, state secrets. You know, he's not telling you exactly what the Rangers are playing in terms of system, in terms of, you know, four check and defensive zone. But, um, you know, his teams are notorious for essentially playing like a neutral zone trap when they have a lead. Right. So they're not going to, you know, commit a bunch of guys forward on a four check. They're going to drop into, you know, uh, something a little bit more defensive in terms of their approach. And they're going to try and protect the lead and they're going to lean on their goalie to, to just make saves on, on easy shots and try not to give up prime scoring chances. You know, I think with Gerard Gallant, again, you know, he was basically like a, this is what we play. He even would say this right in press conferences. Like, I don't look at the other team too much. I just worry about our team. And like, to a certain point, that's fine. I think players appreciate that, but it also does run its course, especially when a series like the devil series happens. And so, you know, look, whether or not, you know, you are a fan who really understands the coaching aspect and the structure and, and, you know, Dave, Dave and suit write about it, you know, really well on the blog, right. Two, one, two, four, check one, run three left wing lock, like all this stuff. Um, whether you understand that stuff or not, I think what you're getting from Laviolette is somebody who is much more of a tactician than Gerard Gallant has ever been. Um, and now it's down to the players to execute. And that was kind of my main, you know, thing about this whole, because this is a big change. You know, I think the Rangers, and and, and I think there, there was a small uh, segment of the fan base that might have disagreed with letting a coach go that had put together back-to-back, you know, 112 and then 107-point seasons and had gotten the team to the conference finals, you know, just two seasons ago. Um, but that loss necessitated real change. And given the environment with the salary cap, uh, but also I think it's very telling about Chris Drury's approach. It's you either change a bunch of the players, right? That's your big change. You either ship out two or three key players and you remake your core or you change the coach. And I think he obviously, he, he obviously opted for changing the coach. Now he could have said, you know what, this is the time. Let's, let's see if there's something out there for Panarin. Maybe let's see if there's something out there for, you know, I don't know, maybe like uh, Alexi Lafreniere, right? Restricted free agent or and or Capo Caco. You know, maybe we'll see if we can move Vincent Trocheck. He's got value. He's not the right fit for the direction, whatever. You know, I'm just spitballing here. But the point is, he liked the talent. And I think he's a guy who is, he would rather coach the talent than dumb down the talent for the coach. Because remember, Gallant was very vocal at the end of the year, pretty much in his last press conference saying, you know, and this was a real indictment of, of both him as a coach and motivator, but also of the team at the time, right? I want to forecheck, but I don't have four checkers is I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what he said. And I think Drury heard that and said, well, buddy, like, you know what, man, four check or not, I put together a really talented roster that should have had the puck an awful lot more. And they didn't Right? We didn't want them to play like a muck and grind four check game. They should have had the puck a lot and they didn't. And so you're not the right coach. I think Peter Laviolette, that's the other thing that really impressed me about, you know, throughout preseason, he has said multiple times, we should be generating a lot more offense. And I think he wants Mm -hmm. to see a lot more movement and a lot more creativity in the offensive zone. And that's going to take some time, you know, as the players get used to the balance of, you know, honoring the system and their positioning within the system, right. When they're supposed to be defending versus like, okay, when's our chance to sort of uh, go forward and try and score some goals. So, um, you know, look, ultimately Drury chose to change the coach. And now it's, you know, uh, it's, it, this is a two to three year project here. And, and again, I spoke about that cycle. 
how the Rangers kind of go, you know, coach to coach to coach in two, three year windows, you know, look, unless Peter Laviolette delivers a Stanley cup, I don't think he's here for more than a couple of seasons, but that's a discussion for another day. So uh, Becky, you alluded to Will Cooley making the team. That's another thing that I think that's really important. Like you said, uh, merit-based approach in terms of ice time and lineup and who plays more than who. Um, but let's talk about that and, and let's talk about Will Cooley making this team. And I think really forcing his, his way onto the roster because look, the Rangers did not have a lot of cap space as we know. So who they go out and they went out and got Blake Wheeler, $800,000 plus bonus, you know, incentives. Um, and then a bunch of bottom six guys, fourth liners, you know, 11th, 12th, 13th forward types, right. Who, who did ended up not making the team, Alex Belzil, you know, Tyler Pitlick, who did make the team. Jimmy Vesey's already in that group. Um, Riley Nash, who didn't make the team, right? So those types of players. Um, what do you make of Will Cooley, right? I mean, you know, JL, what are your thoughts on him? You know, what do you make? What, what do you think about him making the team? And, and what do you think is a realistic, um, you know, sort of projection for him this season? Well, I was pretty ecstatic. Uh, I got to see him play live uh, last year when he got called up against Vegas. Yeah, I think it was uh, at the end of January. And, yeah, he played um, four games last year. Yeah, so I got to see him play, and I was really impressed with him because in junior, he was known to be kind of like a sandpaper kind of guy, bottom tier. They they related him to Tom Wilson in the sense that he's very, uh, you know, abrasive when it comes to being on the ice. And you saw it right away. Granted, he might have been a little overmatched, but that's just, you know, because of his youth. Um, you know, obviously playing in a league that's, full of big guys, you know, I think also he was a uh, part of that whole Calgary fracas, uh, in January mm-hmm. too. He was, um, but he, he, he held his own. And I, I thought he was, he's the type of guy that, uh, other teams tend to really hit on in terms of like their bottom six forwards. And I really liked what I saw. I've liked him since they made, when they made the pick, yeah, I looked them up. I did my research. It was obviously the pick with that they got for Leas Anderson. And yeah. um right. I I just I like the kid's overall game. He seems like he's got a motor. Him and Othman, I thought, have this kind of internal motor. And and obviously I'll just speak on, you know, Cooley here specifically, but they have this this motor. He has this motor that just kind of just goes. And the more that he plays and the more that I've seen him get comfortable, he t- he just kind of fits. He just, he goes down low, gets in front of the net. He had, I think he had a, a goal in the preseason game versus the Islanders where he was making space in front of the net. And I can't remember the last time the Rangers had a player that did that. You know, maybe I'm probably forgetting somebody, but when was the last time you saw a Ranger player bully his way into the front of the net and score a goal sans Chris Kreider with his deflections? So Mm -hmm. I think overall his game fits the bottom six. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the low cap space and them not having enough room. So, but, you know, I've, I've alluded to this on many other podcasts and in chats and, and other things like that. You want to have some youth on your bottom six, so that you're not going out and paying an exorbitant amount of money to fill those holes in terms of, you know, the gaps mm-hmm. in terms of the bottom six, you save that for the elite, you save that for your defenseman, you save it for depth. Uh, 
And I think Cooley's going to really hit that mark. Also, he's a huge Star Wars nerd, so that's a plus in my book. <laughs> you know, like it's this true, kid, he is. He, he's one of us. You know, so <laughs> you know, as as a as a fellow Star Wars nerd, I appreciate that a thousand percent. I said it to one of our co cohorts that I will get a jersey if he changes his number because he's currently wearing number fifty. But he's got number 50. I will get that jersey just for the sole fact that he's a big Star Wars guy. But gritty guy, sandpaper guy, perfect for a Peter Laviolette system. And I think he would do incredibly well with like Trocheck and Wheeler. So, yeah, well, I was going to say, and let's focus on the bottom six here. You know, so if you haven't seen the lines and we'll get to the top six next, because that'll open the door to some, you know, specifically Alexi Lafreniere conversation. But so right now, the, the bottom six consists of a third line of, of Trocek centering Cooley and Blake Wheeler. And then the fourth line is Nick Benino, one of those low-cost you know, free agent signings that, that I really like. Honestly, a proper he, four, I keep forgetting center. he's on the team. I'm sorry. Yes. It's so bad. I'm like, who is this very bald man? Who is he this? He's very bald. He's not Panarin. I'd... He's very bald. And it's Don't so weird because like, all I think of is his huge beard from like those playoff runs of years ago. Mm-hmm. And now he's just got no hair on his face or his head whatsoever. It's very dark. <laughs> um, he's centering Barkley Goodrow on the left and most likely Tyler Pitlick on the right. Now that, that renders Jimmy Vesey uh, as an extra. So Becky, right away, what, what are your thoughts on that bottom six? And specifically our guy, Jimbo, not being in most likely not being in the opening night lineup. I mean, Okay. I have a lot of feelings because Jimmy Vesey to me is like a very, I'm sorry if this is not the, the point of the question, but now I'm just going to go on a tangent. <laughs> Jimmy Vesey is a very, a very uh, complicated relationship. Okay. So he was <laughs> on the team back in the day. I went to some trash bar and like uh, when they did some event, oh my God, what is it? That place in like, I know Joss is going to like listen to Was this it like the Ainsworth? No, it was like Bounce. It was the place that has like all the oh, games bounce. and shit. It's not Bounce. It's It'll come to me at some point. Okay. Anyway, it was a couple of years ago and he was doing like one of those signings and he was like, like hilarious, not on purpose. I think he was, he like made a comment like, oh no, people are going to be upset because now I'm the one signing. The <laughs> 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 so self-deprecating and yes. normal. We had a Jimmy Vesey signed mugshot on our, uh, I know it's not a mugshot, that's what I call them, but on our fridge for a bit, you know, wasn't there and came back and like, he's doing the right things. He did great last year. We extended him. Half of Twitter had a fucking meltdown about it because people are unhinged <laughs> and they're like, well, the league minimum is seven fifty, and we signed him for eight hundred. Then I'm like, what? Literally, what's wrong with you? Like, what are we talking me, about here? Yeah. Tell me, tell me that you are a miserable person without telling me you're a miserable person. Um, and so, so, and then we hear this that he eats plain bagels. So I don't know what <laughs> to think of Jimmy Vesey, okay, or Hemi as we call him. But what's I will wrong say with plain this. bagels from John. <laughs> <laughs> you really eat a bagel with nothing on it. John Luke. I do. I do. John Luke, I, no, what is I wrong with you? No, I, I frequent other things on it, but sometimes I just pick up a bagel and eat it. So literally, what like that's I, desperation move. I need to leave. <laughs> I don't think I could stay on this podcast anymore. 
All right. Well, it's sociopathic. Are you upset? Are you upset that Bagel Boy, as we sometimes call him, is not in the lineup? Right. That was the question. Um, I'm not because I know that that's not forever. And I think that he probably isn't going to be a prima donna about it. Yeah. I think that's fair. And, you know, I think, look, to your point, we're, we're recording on Tuesday. They're going to play a game Thursday. It's very possible by Saturday uh, in live from the blue seats, uh, you know, tradition that all of these lines are changed and that, you know, Tyler Pitlick is out and Jimmy Vesey is in. And, you know, look, the first 10, 15, probably even 20 games, there's going to be a lot of shuffling of lines, a lot of um, exactly. uneven play, I think, is something to expect from the Rangers early on as they learn the system. Um, I also like Tyler Pitlick. I mean, he's he's got speed. I think he actually is the one who made uh, Johnny Brodzinski, who I who I like. I, you know, I mean, I think he's kind of a good thirteenth forward on a on a team, or he that's kind of his his ideal role. If you're talking about him on an NHL roster, um, he made him expendable because he's just as fast, does most of the same things. I know Brodzinski's a center, but you know what probably makes more sense. He's the captain of Hartford. Probably makes more sense for him to be down there. Um, look, I think this is, and this is the thing about the Rangers in general, before we get to the top six, which, which is frankly where I think more of the issues, and I don't use that word, uh, in the way that it sounds like, but that's where most of the, uh, talking points and question marks are. Let's say, let's say it that way. I think this bottom six is probably one of the better bottoms that they've had in the last 10 seasons, right? I mean, we always use the standard of the 2014 fourth line. You know, we we're always comparing fourth lines to that fourth line because that was such an ideal group. Uh, you know, Boyle, Moore, and either Dorset or Carcillo. Um, you know, the Rangers have had some nice players cycle through Tyler Mott, uh, you know, and, and the fourth line that they put together two, two uh, you know, seasons ago with Goodrow and, uh, oh man, who else was on that fourth line? I Sorry not remember. to like jump in here, but lest we forget that when we were talking about Cooley before and needing like the youth in the bottom six, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. like Brian Boyle left and he was basically demanding a top or middle six role. And it's like, fine, but you're not a top six player. You're just not. And like, if you are a team's top six player, that team's not very good. So I just wanted to like, cause when John Luke said before about that, like, Oh, like you need this youth, blah, blah. Like, that's what I was thinking of. So I'm kind of glad you brought up Boyle because, and I like Brian Boyle, like no ill will toward him. But when he left, I remember being like, you kind of know what you are at a certain point, mm-hmm. right? You don't like, I don't think Brian Boyle really looked at himself in the mirror and was like, I am definitely a top six player, but I don't know. Maybe he did. But anyway, I like him. I don't, I, I, I don't know him personally. I just thought it was bizarre that that was the attitude when he left. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Contrast that by the way, with, uh, with Vincent Trocek now, who, uh, is by all accounts readily accepting what is the third line role. You know, he is, he is the center again on that line with Cooley and Wheeler, which is what we expect to see, uh, you know, opening night in Buffalo. And, you know, like he has power play time now he's, he's with the first unit, although, you know, Capo Caco apparently has started to rotate in with that unit in place of Trocek. So, We'll see how that develops throughout the year. But, you know, Trocek's a guy who got, you know, second line center money, came to this team thinking he was going to be the, you know, the 2C with Artemi Panarin. He pretty much was for most of last year with mixed results. And Peter Laviolette has come in and said, you know what? Like, 
Philip is a better fit for that role. And so let's talk about the top six, because again, this is where rubber meets road with this team. And, and, and just as a sidebar, before we get into the discussion of the, of, of those six players, and again, specifically, I think Alexi Lafreniere, the lightning rod, the Rangers problem over the last two seasons has not been defense. It has been offense. All the metrics tell you that, right? And I know Igor stood on his head the first half of two seasons ago, and everybody thinks of that, and they think, oh, the Rangers are a goalie show, and they're really not. Their de- their defense is solid. They don't give up a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. Laviolette is, I think, going to even uh, get more out of this defensive group. I don't think they're going to leak a lot of shots on goal or big scoring chances once they really uh, embrace and get to know the system and style of play. The problem has been generating offense for this team over the last two years. They simply do not get enough shots on goal. They do not get enough quality. Uh, their power play makes up for it. And so that's a big part of you know how they've managed to be a successful team. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not discounting that or poo-pooing that in any way. But this group of players, if it remains these six, needs to do the job this year. And that is all six of them. Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Capo Caco, your top line. Philip Hedl, well-earned with Artemi Panarin and Alexi Lafreniere playing the right wing, which so far he has not really proven that he can do very well. We'll see how it goes when the games count. They have not gotten enough out of any of these players, bar Mika Zibanejad, uh, over the last, I would say, well, I, let's just say last year, because I think two years ago is is at this point too far gone. I would say other than Mika, and Chris Kreider gave him 36 goals, but he was not as good on the power play at all last year. Outside of Mika Zibanejad, they simply did not get enough out of these six players last year. And so I'm going to put it very simply, and I want to get both of your thoughts on it. I'll start with you, Becky. I'll go back to you, and then we'll hear from John Luke. Is this a good enough group of players, or do they need more talent? Like, you know, again, they're, they they lost Vladimir Tarasenko. Now, we knew we knew they wouldn't be able to keep them, keep him, I'm sorry. But are you looking at that group of six players, Kreider, Zibanejad, Kako, Panarin, Panarin Hedl, and Lafreniere, do you think that is enough? Uh, that's a kind of a loaded question. I think... I think everyone needs to play to their best potential. That's all. I, like, I think it's really hard to say. I mean none of the kids who are not kids anymore, but just for the lack of better term, right? Kids. I don't know that we've seen what any of them can fully do yet. And so it's really difficult to say also like Mm -hmm. Kreider had an unbelievable season, right? Two years ago. What is it? Yes. I don't think that you can go on expecting that that's going to happen again. And that's no disrespect to him because he's still, he's a great player, but I don't think it's fair to expect that. Um, Panarin, I think is reliable, even though people like hate on him, he still throws up a hundred points and it's just like, what about it? Um, Meek, I'm not worried about, but I think, I don't think that all three of the quote unquote kids can be, I, I I don't. To answer your question, no, I don't. Okay. I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible, but I'm not I don't feel like it's going to. JL, how about you? Well, 
it it is kind of a loaded question in the sense that there's so many intricate things in terms of the top six that really need to kind of go right. Like I, I'll use the Mets as an example because you know it's always nice to use the tire fire from Queens as a perfect example to the Rangers. Um, the the Mets as they were constructed just by the roster alone going into this season, if they were to even perform average, it would have been okay. But everything that went wrong did. And I feel like with the Rangers, I feel like that same thing has kind of happened where there hasn't really been much fluidity as much as we want to talk about, you know, like Becky said, the kids that aren't really kids, um, you know, they're, they're going to get their chance to actually proper time to do something because it's always been that case where you know they don't get enough time you know they kind of get benched so they get put in a position not to succeed and we've seen glimpses so now this is the time to say enough with the glimpses go out there and show us what you've got i'm a very firm believer in capo caco in terms of him turning it around because if they're going to put him with mika and Kreider, statistically all three of them together were were probably some of the best uh the best three forwards that we've seen the Rangers have for quite some time. Why Gerard Gallant didn't stick to them. Well, that's why he's out of a job, but I also think this offense runs through our Timmy Panarin. Now it seems like so long ago, it was only about maybe three or four years ago, honestly, that he signed here and he was making waves. He was coming in. Everything that he was doing was either going into the net or going onto someone's stick and going into the back of the net, you know, the way that they utilized him, the just is the way he stepped up his game that season when the season was canceled towards the end of the year. Just that whole campaign in general was just phenomenal, and his performance, along with just the, you know, the incredible emergence of Mika, basically kind of carried that team. Well, you know, obviously, you know, they had the the young defense and all that, and obviously Igor's emergence too. But you know, they were really good. And I think they also had Butch Nevich that year too. So that also definitely did help. But, and, uh, but, you know, when you think about it, it's so strange to see such a talented group underperform for so long. But there's so many things that have gone into that. That, you know, how is it that we ended up with the two top end picks that really needed to be coddled? And it's not an indictment against anybody. That's just the way that prospects are. Not every prospect's going to come out and be uh, Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid. You know, obviously you want a little more from your one and your two, but you know, some high-end picks don't develop as fast as others. You expect them to. Also, in a weak draft class, I mean, the, those two years. I mean, you know, it's it's been kind of difficult. But I I, I think with this with this forward group everything needs to break right in order for things to go well alexi lafreniere is going to get his opportunity you know nobody wants to give up on a 22 year old but if he just continues to malaise around and not take it seriously brennan othman's in hartford and i have no problem and i'm sure peter laviolette has no problem bumping lafreniere down either scratching him or putting on a lower, you know, forward spot on the team and just putting Brennan Othman there because Othman wants it and he, he, he earned it in camp. There was just no room for the guy. So when it comes to the top six, it's, it's very nuanced. It's very tricky. And, um, it basically runs through two or three people and 
you know, I, I expect more from Kako than I do Lafreniere. But if we even get something out of Laugh, that's a that's a win. So, also just to add to one point that you mentioned before, the other fourth liner on the team in twenty two was Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney, man, thanks. <laughs> that, that is that's like remember some guys, and that's only yeah. two years ago. Um, there is, in my opinion more pressure on that group of players and and i'm spreading this around right now and i'll we'll, i'll get to laugh in a second and then we'll get to the questions because i have a lot of thoughts about laugh i want to get your guys you know takes as well but this is the first time i can remember that there's some pent up truly pent up frustration now i know coming out of the playoffs two years ago the, the conference final loss to tampa you know, there was kind of this acknowledgement like, well, Panarin, you know, Panarin didn't play well. He still put up, what, 15 points in 20 playoff games and Drury was pissed. And there was that whole rumor of that, you know, meeting about Drury and the scouts kind of screaming and yelling about Panarin. And, you know, I don't know how valid or true that was, but, you know, th there is, I think now, you know, just, just coming off of last year, which, which never felt right, you know, and again, Vincent Trocek addressed it head on and he was a new player, right? So he wasn't around in, in 21, 22, but he basically said like, look, last year was really laid back. They just kind of, you know, walked at a casual pace, knowing that they would get into the playoffs. You know, they did all of the weird cap stuff for, for, for six, seven, eight games to, to try and facilitate the Patrick Kane trade. It was a super weird season where it really felt like nobody uh, you know, other than Adam Fox, I would say, got into a groove and played really, really well. You know, they kind of had fits and starts and it was just kind of like, let's just get to the playoffs and then we'll flip the switch. And of course they learned the hard way that you can't do that. Uh, and that it was the worst possible matchup at the worst possible time with that devil's team. Um, but there are serious, there's serious pressure and there are serious concerns with this top six. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Becky. Like I'm looking at that and I'm just like, this isn't good enough. It's, it's potentially good, but you are, but potential yeah. is a, is a, is a funny thing because, <laughs> and, and JL, you're jumping around sports. I'll do it too. Cause I've had a lot of jets on the brain lately. Like Zach Wilson's also potentially good. <laughs> like all of the talent is there. Like the arm is incredible. He's got, you know, he's got like a supposedly is like photographic memory. Right. So he like, he like can remember specific plays and formations and defensive coverages from like, you know, specific college games and whatever. So like, it's all there, the potential's there, but is it ever going to happen? Is it going to happen? You know, and, and is it, is it coaching? Is it, is it individual circumstances? Is it work ethic? And, you know, there's the segue to Lafreniere, you know, again, say what you want about the validity of rumors and, you know, hot takes on Twitter and, you know, what you may or may not read uh, in a Larry Brooks article or an Arthur Staple article. But Alexi Lafreniere has never looked to me like a player who uh, has, has the look of a guy that can fulfill number one overall pick potential. And he was healthy scratch last year in December. And I, I think I was off from work. Uh, and I actually did a solo Twitter space because that's what a normal person does with their day <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, because he got scratched and I was like, hey, let's do a Twitter space. No one else was around. So I was like, I'll do it myself. Um, 
And I kept saying, and, you know, to the folks that were on that space, you may remember, like, what does he do well? He's not an elite skater. His puck handling is only there in, like, you know, you see it when he does that, the behind-the-back goal, his annual behind-the-back dipsy-doodle goal. He had one against Detroit two years ago. He had one against Washington last year. Uh, he'll maybe hit a really nice, like, across cross the seam, like, cross-ice pass to set up a scoring chance or a goal, like, once a, once a month. So there's like there's the odd flash of of elite talent. But other than that, there's not much there. And then on top of that, you hear is he taking this stuff seriously? Is is did he have a good offseason or not, right? And and you know, now now Larry Brooks specifically wrote a couple of weeks ago, well, he worked really hard and the Rangers like they coordinated with a skating coach and he worked on his like edge work and his explosiveness. But then he goes out and has, you know, such awful preseason games that he gets demoted and essentially loses his job. Now, that's not nothing. I know people are saying like, well, it's preseason. That doesn't matter. Preseason does not matter in terms of team wide results. Preseason absolutely matters for certain individuals. And Alexi Lafreniere is one of those individuals. He walked into training camp with a top line job. He did not even have to be seen by the coach. And they said, we're going to give this kid that opportunity. We are going to give it to him. It was not earned. Training camp had not started. He was penciled in as the top line right wing. He lost that job because he had such a bad training camp. That is not nothing. Don't tell me preseason is meaningless. That is not nothing. It clearly has meaning. Peter Laviolette saw the practices, which we don't see, saw the games, which we do see, and said, this kid now is going to be on a different line because this is not working. So, to me, that is highly concerning. There's just no other way to look at it. I'm sorry. And I know there's people out there who are going to try to blame LaViolette or they're going to try and blame David Quinn, which frankly, guys, like, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't want to hear it. He's on his third coach. It's no longer the coach's problem. If you don't respond to three coaches, it's not the coach. It's the player. You know, if you don't, if, if you don't, you know, and if he's not a fit on right wing, then like, I don't know what to say. I mean, most most pro hockey players can play both wings. It's a little bit weird getting out of your own zone. Other than that, you know, they don't break it down. Like I saw the NHL did a list of like the top wingers in the game. They don't break it down by right and left wing because it's not really, there's not really that much difference or nuance from side to side. So, and if you're supposedly a high IQ player, which he was touted as in his scouting reports, he should be able to handle his off wing. So, you know, listen, this is, this is, uh, he is the guy, like he is the, the guy who can unlock this top six to me. He's the guy who, again, they lost Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't even want to talk about Patrick Kane because that was such a failed, you know, uh, experiment, if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, but Vladimir Tarasenko came here and contributed. He was, he's an elite finisher. Um, you know, he, he, he made some actually like, you know, legitimately good defensive plays too. If you remember, he was, he was busting his ass up and down the ice and he was making impact plays, uh, and had a really good postseason. He was one of the few Rangers who had a good series against the devils. Um, can Alexi Lafreniere replace that? I don't know. Now, JL, I totally agree with you. I'm not worried about Capococco at all. I think he's potentially, uh, an upper echelon. I don't want to use the term elite, but like he's a, he's a high level two-way forward, I don't know that we'll ever see the scoring totals. I think he tops out at like 50 points, but I think he is also like a, you know, I always come back to this guy, Valeri Nishushkin on, on, uh, on Colorado, who's a key, key player in their top six for them. 
won a Stanley Cup, scored some huge goals in the playoffs, physical presence, elite defensive forward who can, you know, give you 25 goals. That is what I think Capococco is and will be for this team. And I think he's worth keeping. I think to me, I mean, if I don't see it from Alexi Lafreniere in, in I'll give him 25, maybe 30 games, I'm ready to move on. And I, maybe that's harsh. I don't know. I, what do you guys think of that? No, it's not, it's not too far fetched in that sense because, you know, obviously going into you know the 2020 draft you know there you know i agree with you 100 percent. like this is it's put up or shut up basically and i know you don't want to really give up on a 22 year old but something has to give at this point uh i always say this skill doesn't just evaporate the kid clearly has something there that made him the number one overall now you can factor in the fact that he was physically bigger than everybody in juniors and this and that mm-hmm. and the fourth yada 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 whatever but he still had to do something right in order to get to that spot because there are other guys in junior who are probably just as big or bigger than he is and did not put the type of numbers that he was able to put up in in Ramuski and with the junior team you know you saw a guy who was able to you know he didn't have great speed but he was able to use his size and his hockey IQ like we you know like you mentioned to get into areas and be there for the puck when it goes into that or make a strong play or just do something different. You know, like you watch, there's all, there's, I think it's like a 20 minute highlight reel of just goals of him uh, playing for Ramuski. And it's recorded on some of the, like the worst video cameras you can possibly find (laughs) because apparently they don't know what technology is in Quebec apparently. But what you saw was, a guy who forced his way in and not only did he do it with his size or, you know, his strength, but it was also his skill and his IQ. The kid has talent, you know, he's, he's proven that he can do things in the NHL. But what I think is the issue is, is, is he's not really taking it seriously. Like he thinks that, and this is just pure speculation on my part, just from what I've seen and what, you know, we've all witnessed is that, you know, you get picked number one overall and things are just, you know, he's had success everywhere he's gone. And the first sign of adversity, he doesn't want to change. That's what I see. And Mm -hmm. it's concerning. I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but like you said, give it a couple of games. If he, I mean, for goodness sake, he's going to be playing, excuse me. He's going to be playing with Panarin and Heedle. Those two easily can get him, you know, 20 points, you know, just by being on the ice. If he can't do anything with those guys, well, then it's time to maybe reconsider because, again, and I'll hearken back to the coaching staff. They got Michael Pekka, who was a a solid player in his own right, you know, in the league, you know, was a pain in our rear ends for a very long time for multiple Mm -hmm. different multiple teams. You know, you got Dan Muse, who, you know, he's, you know, a very, uh, from what I've seen, he's a very, uh, you know, he's he's like a tactician, but he's uh, Dan Muse has also coached some of the most elite players in the United States National Development Team. So clearly they're acquiring people or getting people who can understand where Lafreniere has come from in terms of the elite skill and being a high draft pick or playing at an elite level. So at what point, you know, do we end up saying adios? 
Or do we end up saying, okay, let's see what happens? Because, like you said, it is concerning that he didn't do well in the preseason. You know, it's like it's it's like it, it's it's like again in in like you mentioned Zach Wilson, but I also mentioned baseball and spring training. Spring training, it's a little more nuanced in the sense that sometimes people are just working on things, but usually by the end of camp, they'll have like the solid three inning outing, you know, that basically mm-hmm. says, yeah, they're ready for the regular season. Like Jacob Degrom was the master at those, mm-hmm. and then he just got hurt, mm-hmm. you know. You get the the good like three four inning appearance at the end of the season, and then you're ready to go. We haven't seen that from him, and uh, it just it bothers no, me. No, like you like, saw it from Kako. Yeah, not to cut you off, but like Kako yeah, went right, out no, that last exactly. Boston game, scored a great goal, and like was literally the yeah, best the overall too. player yeah. for the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. Becky, so, what are your final thoughts yeah. on on uh, on laugh? I think a lot of like what you guys are saying, I like, I don't know if there's a whole lot to add. I do think it's a maturity issue because he is talented, but I will say like everyone in the NHL is talented, even the people who suck. Right. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I mean, Tanner glass, incredibly talented athlete, not someone I want on my team. Um, I just think, uh, you know, and it, it also could be a matter of like, I don't want to say immaturity, like in a negative connotation. Hold on one sec. Sorry, sneeze break. Um, I don't want to say immaturity with like a negative connotation. I want to say like actually like a person who has been told that they're the best all the time. And then when they're told that they're not, like you're living in a state where you're, you physically may not know what to do with that. And so I think at this point, if he has a new coach who's telling him, hopefully giving him pointers, right, if it's not just the one coach that he's been dealing with at this level, maybe, or I guess did, Quinn wasn't, was Quinn? Yeah, no, he played under Quinn. Well, Quinn yeah. doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn, Quinn doesn't count. But like, if this is now your third coach, right, and he can't pull it together, then honestly, like a change of scenery might really just be good. And that would just really suck for us because we'd be selling very low. Um, But I don't know. I don't think about him and think he's special. I mean, will that change in five years? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, let me put up or shut up. Yeah. Well, and you make a great point, right? Like, I don't want them to trade them because I don't want them to sell low either. Like, that, that would be that would that's the worst case scenario. But what do you think and, they're going to do? Send them down to Hartford? Like, well, no, no, no. But like, but well, I mean, what, what you're going to end up with is a guy who is essentially dead weight on the team, and and right. I know he's not at a big cap number, but you know, he's here to do what? Like, just skate up and down the wing on the third line for two years, and like, I don't know, you know. So, like. It, it's a, it's a tough situation and it needs to work out for, for both parties. Um, and we'll see how it goes. You know, I think, look, he is going to be the center of attention for the whole of the Ranger, you know, team fan base uh, for this early part of the season, rightly or wrongly, because so much of the future of the team kind of hinges on his success. Um, and maybe that's selling Phil. I mean, look, Philip is a phenomenal player. I think he's going to have a big year. I, I, we already talked about Kako. Um, the other guys, Panarin, Laugh and Panarin, they're on the same line. Let's see how that goes. All right. Uh, let's get to the questions. Cause, uh, you know, it's our favorite part of the show. Uh, we want to, you know, hit those before we uh, get out of here. So JL, if you wouldn't mind 
reading those out. All right, here we go. So back at questions again. These are these are great. Usually when we're in the the full gear, we get a lot of funny questions, but it seems like we've got some pretty straightforward questions. So let's start. First this is a fan comes... base on edge right now, by the way. I think that's how uh, I'm feeling going into this season. Yeah, no, I agree because I'm right there with everybody. First question comes from one of my favorite follows and yours too. Uh, it's uh, Bill Seussville. Who was your ideal odd man out in this lineup? Well, we talked about this earlier with VZ and Pitlick. Uh, they're not going to healthy scratch Barkley Goodrow at $3.6 million a year. Uh which, by the way, again, that contract, again, you know, I've, I don't want to say I defended it. Um, you did. Because, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> I, but I also. You did. I think, Let it I go. think my point, my point <laughs> always was, though, no, to be fair, was that they could move it when it needed to be moved. And I think it now needs to be moved. Uh, that said, uh, Goodrow is number one, but that won't happen. Uh, probably Pitlick. And then VZ. Uh, so those it's it's those those three. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna s- say oh go ahead. No no go ahead go ahead. Um, I just want to say because this is built to spill and he's a menace online, um, <laughs> and I just wanted to say that uh, I will never ever ever forgive you for the picture that you posted of Pitlick of someone actually licking an armpit. Um, <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Oh, so gosh. that has to be my scratch. So I never That's see that again. Incredible. Yeah. It was, you it was score just remarkable year, content. All over your feed. Yeah. Just absolutely <laughs> tremendous content as you get with built to spill, but I'm scarred. <laughs> um, it for me, it's probably going to be. Uh, I mean, it's already happening. It's Jimmy, you know, Jimmy self-deprecating VC. Um, either him or um, I think honestly Lafreniere, depending on how he <laughs> yeah. performs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if you're not wrong. He he doesn't perform midway through October or midway through November, rather going into December, close to the Christmas break, and Brennan Othman's killing it down in in Hartford, a hundred percent. He's gonna come up, and a hundred percent, I think Laviolette would scratch Lafreniere or put him on a low, you know, put him on the fourth line or a third line just to make prove a point because he's not here to play games. That's something that I, I could see it. I'm totally with you. All right. Well, next question is from Michael Silvers, nineteen. 19- uh, his M Silver's 1979. We just spoke on this, but I guess we could reiterate it. How long of a look do you think Lafreniere gets at two right wing before he gets dropped down if he isn't productive? I said uh, middle of October, no, middle, middle middle November, maybe sometime in December, close to the Christmas break. If he doesn't show anything by then, then I think you might have to begin to reconsider some things. Yep, uh, Becky, you, you go ahead. I think maybe a little, uh, like, I think, I think by like Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, happy Canadian Thanksgiving to those who celebrate, just celebrated. Good shout. I think what you might see happen, look, you know, as much as, and by the way, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about the lineup as a whole. We haven't even, we never really got a chance to talk about the defenseman, but you know, that we can save that for, for, for next show. 
uh, as we're just getting into the season here, but the lineup's good. Like Laviolette did a good job here. Like this is pretty much the optimal lineup. Um, it's not without holes, but it's a good lineup and they should win a lot of games. I mean, look, I know I, I, I hate to come across as super negative. Um, look, the Rangers are projected to, you know, the athletic thinks they're a top three team in the league, which is, which was shocking. Um, most of the Vegas odds have them, you know, eighth or 10th best to win the Stanley cup to finish with 103 to 105 points. Uh, so, so this is a good team, but you know, we're talking about higher aspirations than being like a good team that potentially loses in the first or second round to Carolina or the devils. Right. Um, uh, back to the question. I think what you're going to see is a lot of mixing and matching early on. Right. So like, and maybe Laviolette does give laugh a few chances on the left in the top six, right? So maybe he does shift Kreider down to that third line. Um, and maybe Cooley gets kicked, you know, uh, to right wing or kicked to the fourth line. And, and that enables Laugh to play on the left wing with Zabanajad or on the left wing with Heedle. You know, we'll see. Um, so, but I think like, so, so just, just sort of like change the question or, or, or change the sort of parameters a little bit. I think t- I agree with you guys. He gets a good 15 to 20 games in the top six, either on the right wing or the left wing. And if he doesn't cut it, then I think you're right, JL. I think we're looking at third line, fourth line, potentially scratch. If he doesn't kind of respond to that, um, it'll be fascinating to see. All right. Next question comes from Kevin at Spozo211. And he says, which is more likely to happen this season? Heedle scores 30 or Shesty scores one? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with the easy answer here. I love Shesty. He's gone, gotten close a couple of times, but Heedle might score 30 this year. I can see it, especially playing up with Panarin, and they play very well together. He's definitely going to get 30 if he plays well. Why can't it be both? <laughs> ah, I like that. Well, more likely. I, well, I guess, yeah, it could be both. I said, why Equally can't likely. it be both? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Becky. I answered. I said, "Why can't it be both?" <laughs> oh no! I thought you were. I thought you were going to uh, to add. Um, oh no! Uh, I, I I think Heedle is good for high twenties, so I'm going to say Igor. Oh, scoring. Okay. Yep. Now this is for Kevin. I'm 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 going to post this to him if he if he listens to this. I would like to see him make a prediction. Obviously, you know, it can be very wrong. I'm not going to hold it to anyone, but I'd like to see him give me the day or the game that Igor does it where he finally scores the goal. So that's my task to you, Mr. <laughs> Esposo211, is to give me uh, when Igor is going to do it. And if it doesn't matter, if you're totally off base, that's okay. I'm not going to steal any money from you. So, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Our final question from 30 on Broadway. Um, this one says, what are you guys looking forward to the most with the new season finally here? I love this a little, a little positivity. Yeah. Let's talk about something we're really excited about. Um, I am really excited about Kako, honestly. And I think that he, um, I just, I just think he looks ready to become, you know, he looks ready to break out um, and, and become what he's supposed to be, which look again, probably not a 65, 70 point guy. I think he tops out at like 50, 55 maybe, but 
just a two-way force and a guy that you can depend on to be, you know, a kind of a proper, you know, top six uh, power forward in this league. I'm, I'm super excited for him. And honestly, we'll talk about the defense really quick. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with the pairings as they are. I know a lot of people want to see Miller Fox. I think that uh, Laviolette will go to that a lot more often and a lot earlier in games if he needs to. So I think we'll see it plenty. But I think that the combination of Fox, Miller, and don't sleep on Eric Gustafson, I think the Rangers are going to have a really fun and active and um, creative defense. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. You can, am, you can go ahead, Becky. I'll, I'll wait. What am I looking forward to? Um, I think... I, like, I mean, does it have to be specific to the team or like, I'm like, I'm mostly looking forward to just going games and being back at the garden and a competitive season. I'm looking forward to, I don't know if I'm looking forward to this because I'm a little nervous, but like, I'm looking forward to like tough games against the devils and having that rivalry reignited. I know it never really went away, but in years of not doing so well for the doubles, it's not as much of a rivalry, right? Um, I'm looking forward to those kinds of things. I don't know that I'm looking forward to like any one uh, player specifically. So I think that's it for me. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Blake Wheeler fits with this team. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there. This is a transition period. You know, you basically went from having, you know, two, you know, the uh, a roster that would have made 2013 us blush, you know, with Tarasenko and Kane and, you know, kind of low-key wished Tarasenko was still here, but I still have his jersey. I saw him score in his first game. I'm very happy about that. But anyways, um, I, I, I want to see how Blake Wheeler fits with this team. I, I, I I'm very optimistic that, you know, he's going to do exactly what he's asked to do, and he's going to provide some sort of stability on the bottom six. And if he needs to be pulled up to the second line in a pinch, he has enough skill to do that. And I think that line can definitely compensate for his lack of speed. And even in that sense, but he doesn't look that old. You no, know, he looks I can't very how old he is. <laughs> yeah, he, he's very engaged. He still has a ton of skill. He's active he still has a horse i mean there was a clip of when they were doing um skates from uh end line to end uh, to goal line to goal line uh when they were doing some of those bag skates and um he could still motor yeah, yeah he's not the most fleet of foot anymore i mean you know but i i i i want to see what happens with him I, I he's gonna probably get power play two time um, mm -hmm. and I think just him being a big body and being good in the corners and moving the puck around, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings. Cause that was, that was our marquee signing for the off season. And you couldn't ask for really anything better. And I'll just make one last point. I feel as if, um, this was the type of team that Drury wanted to build during the deadline. And if he he probably wanted to just get Tarasenko and then just stock up the depth on the bottom six or get like a mm -hmm. Wheeler type guy for those bottom for for the bottom six because I think that would have really have helped in terms of just you know 
you know, a, a tough series against the Devils or if they had played Carolina or whatever. So Blake Wheeler, I, I, I'm really eager to see what he does. And those are yeah, our I think questions. That's a great point. Awesome. Um, all right. Before we go, let's let's give everybody our predictions for the season since this is a season preview episode. Uh, JL, I'll start with you. Where do the Rangers finish in the Metro? And how far are they going in the playoffs? Second place in the Metro. They make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they fall short. I need to see a okay. little bit more in order for them to say I'm going to see them win the Stanley Cup or at least make it to the Stanley Cup. But I do think if everything goes right, I think this team is one of the, you know, one of the more dangerous teams in the league. Becky? That's like exactly what I was going to say. Well, I was going to say third in the Metro and ECF. Yeah, so I had them, and and I believe these previews, uh, we've got a written version of, of a, a little bit more of an expanded uh, prediction uh, preview post coming on the blog within the next day, or probably is already posted if you're if you're listening to this on Thursday. But um, I have them finishing third in the con- in the in the division and losing in the second round, um, so not quite getting to the conference final. And, and look, uh, I I caveat that with. And I think you're right, JL. I think I, I need to see this team play under mm-hmm. Laviolette because I, you know, and, and like you said earlier, Becky, I reserve the right to uh, to change my mind on this because, you know, you look at Laviolette's teams; just they've they, they they've all had success. He's made a bunch of Stanley Cup Finals. The underlying numbers are usually good. You know, they're they're a pain in the ass to play against when his teams are really playing his his systems and his style the right way. They don't give up a lot. So you combine that with Igor Shesterkin and goal and what the Rangers have on defense, which is one of the better defensive groups in the NHL, they're probably going to be pretty hard to score against, even in this era of, you know, pretty high scoring hockey that we're, we're in right now. So, um, but I, I need to see it. I need to see what that top six can do because, because, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk to Rob Luker throughout the year. He will, he will remind us unless the trend changes, the Rangers just have not been generating enough offense over the last couple of seasons. And that's been a problem. So, um, I've got them, you know, making the playoffs solidly winning around, but, but getting, you know, getting ousted in the second round. So we'll see. Uh, we'll also try to get, you know, maybe Nick and Dave's, uh, predictions as well. We'll be hearing from them, we'll be hearing from Rob, if you know, Luker throughout the season, we'll have some other guests, uh, as well. You know, JL, I know you're, you're cooking up, uh, potentially some, a new intro. We're going to launch a YouTube channel. So these will be released as, as a video podcast as well. We're probably going to do some live shows there. So, Lots to look forward to here on Live from the Blue Seats uh, and another great season of Ranger Hockey ahead. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week.